O Lord, make your word a swift word passing from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip and conversation, that as the rain returns not empty, so neither may your word, but accomplish that for which it is given. Amen. You may be seated. Scripture text this morning is uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 55, and it's found on page 615 uh, in your Pew Bible. My wife Gail and I are pleased to be here uh, this morning. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege. Uh, we're uh, delighted uh, to share this time with you. Um, I must say that uh, in a couple of my uh, trips to uh, Puerto Rico, I learned some things about your pastor. Um, and one of the things was that I couldn't bring up a subject about which he did not know stuff. <laughs> a pleasure to get to know him uh, and now you as well. Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. And come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for all peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it spring, bring forth um, and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I, I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up myrtle. 
and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. Uh, There are approximately 60 people in the world who have a very unusual, even strange capability. Uh, They are people who have what is called um, HSAM, HSAM, um, highly superior autobiographical memory. They remember specific details from any time throughout their lives. One named Joe was asked, what was the date of the Oscars in 1999? He said it was Sunday, um, uh, March 21st, and he added that Whoopi Goldberg was the MC. All the memories are right there. You can scroll through them at any time. Uh, Jill remembered that uh, back in um, October 19 of 1979, she was in ninth grade. She was having a very bad day, and her mother provided a bowl of soup for her, her comfort food that day. Now, the downside is you also remember hurts, maybe from 30 years before. Things you cannot forget. Things that you cannot erase but wish you could. Now, I suspect that none of us have HSAM. But it is still hard to forget failures. It is hard to forget past sins that may have been particularly hurtful, harmful to others. We brood over those things. And worse yet, we suspect that God is the same way. That he remembers your failures and broods over them. Calvin says there is nothing that haunts our consciences more than when we think God is like us. Now we love These verses, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How frequently these words have encouraged us in dark times in our lives, or how we have encouraged others with them when pain seems so pointless, We are reminded to trust in God who is orchestrating our lives. We love the doctrine of God's providence. It gives us peace when all of life is hard because all things, in fact, do work together for good for those who love God. John Calvin, however, says something striking about these verses. He says that they are not at all or principally about God's providence. They are about his generous heart. There is great hope for Israel, as Isaiah is addressing them in these verses. Assyria is at the door. Judgment is coming. 
but God remembers his covenant promises and the blessings are certain. It is not about God's surprising sovereignty, but about his stupendous compassion. My theme for this morning is come and drink. God is higher and closer than you imagine. Come and drink, for God is both higher but also closer than you can even imagine. We remember and love the uh, creator-creature distinction Uh, Our creator God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. He is far above us in his holiness. And we are fully aware that we are limited. We are born in time. We are easily upset. We are easily confused. We are easily made anxious. And we're reminded here that God's thoughts and God's ways are far above us. He has compassion. He will abundantly pardon The end of verse 7, read that with me. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God's pardon is not like yours. God's pardon is abundant. He doesn't think like you do. He does not resent. He does not hold grudges against his people, not even you. And I wonder if we have room in our heart to understand and grasp the marvel of this. Put in the words of the prophet Jeremiah in uh, in chapter 31, verse 20. You may turn turn with me to that passage. Again, the context is judgment. It is approaching, but this time Judah. And listen to what the Lord says uh, in, in Jeremiah 31, verse 20. Referring to his people, the hammer is about to come down, but he said, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him. Even when God disciplines you, even when there are discouragements and difficulties in your life, he never for a moment loses or retracts his fatherly affection. Does your view of of your heavenly father fit these words that you are a darling child. Now God gives us reason to trust him. Back in Isaiah 55, he gives us reason. We can trust him. Look with me carefully at verse 8. Our God will pardon. He will abundantly pardon. Look at the next word, for. This is the reason, for. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. God gives powerful reasons to trust him. And essentially it is this, hey, I'm not like you. 
You see, our hearts are naturally law-oriented. We are image bearers of God and therefore have an appropriate understanding of the importance of justice in life. That when people break the law, they should be punished. They get what they deserve. We, however, are driven by legalism. God isn't. Our pardon is conditional. You must first prove that you've really changed. Give me a record performance that I can look at and be certain that you've changed. We are stingy with our compassion. I'll give it where it is deserved, we often say. Our pardon is conditional. God's isn't. And we'll hold people at a distance, avoid them, step around them. We are suspicious and we keep them at a distance and God doesn't. You see, we are not just a little bit off in our understanding and practice of compassion. Uh, We are way off. And look with me at verse 9. Um, For the heavens are higher than the earth, and so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. His pardoning power, the beauty of his pardoning grace, is so far above our, our puny and shriveled hearts of grace. There is another place where these words appear in Scripture in Psalm 103. You can flip back to that psalm, that well-known and well-loved psalm, where some of these same words appear. And in this passage, he's saying he does not dwell with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And why not? Look at verse 8. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. And we must only pray, Holy Spirit, illumine our minds and enlarge our hearts so that we can see, so that we can truly and deeply get it, that God, in fact, is close, not distant, by the mighty blood of his Son. He is holy, but he is also nearby in compassion and grace. He removes your sin from you so that he can draw close to you. Jesus, our blessed Savior, is gentle, he is lowly, and he freely pardons by his precious blood. Three things we want to, we want to understand from this. Something, first of all, about ourselves. And then sharing this with others. This um, amazing grace and forgiveness of God satisfies our hearts, first of all. And it softens our hearts, secondly. And by the power of the Spirit, we share it. We spread it out. First of all, we satisfy, this grace satisfies your heart in his common pardon. Find your satisfaction in his compassion and pardon. Look with me at verse 6 and look at the verbs in this text. Seek 
the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The first thing we are welcomed and urged to do is to seek and to call. God's heart is irresistibly drawn to the lowly and the contrite. The next, uh, the next page, Isaiah 57, 15, if you will turn there. For it says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in a high and holy place, but also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What is the spirit of God saying to you in these verses? When you are at your absolute worst, come to Jesus. When you are disturbed, even disgusted at your slow progress, remember this, God doesn't have H-Sam. You're covered with the blood of Jesus. He's not like you. He remembers Jesus, not your failures. And we hear this wonderful message of grace again, that it is your sins that qualify you to come to Jesus. That's why he calls himself the great physician. He came for sick people. You and me. Come to the feast. Chapter 55, verse 2 says, why do you come for... Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. This is rich food. Delight yourself in it. Seek and call. Seek and call after God. He hears. He'll receive you. He'll take you in. But verse 7 goes on to say, Uh, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. Look at the verbs again. Forsake and return. What, What ways do you need to forsake? The uh, athletic director of a university, University of Arkansas, um, got a letter recently that uh, that a, a man uh, admitted that 30 years before he had snuck into um, a football game, uh, he and some friends, and uh, he had become a Christian, and the Holy Spirit was uh, softening his heart and and causing him to uh, to recognize that he must make right what he made wrong. And so he wrote out a check for the price of the ticket plus 30 years interest. And with this letter, he was saying, I'm coming out of hiding. I'm owning up. I'm fessing up. So, dear friends, is there anything you are hiding that the Spirit of God is calling you to bring into the open today? First to God. Remember, he's come, sent Jesus for broken people, but then to one another where you have sinned against another person. 
What are you hiding? You know, so often in the church, and I'm a lifer, I know the drill, but so often in the church, we would rather look good than be good. So come out. Well, what thoughts do you need to forsake? How about this for starters? Reject this thought that God is stingy with his mercy. He is not, after all, like me. From you and me, mercy sometimes trickles a drop at a time. With God, it is a flood of a river. So dismiss those thoughts that God is like you. God is more, far more ready to forgive you than you are even to ask for it. He's that kind of God. I loved what uh, your pastor said earlier in introducing the parable of the two lost sons. Of course it's that. We are either like the prodigal son who in his rebellion simply didn't get his father's heart. He didn't understand it. So what does he do when he comes back? Well, he's going to do penance for a while and he's going to cut a deal with God. I'm going to, I'll live in the garage, the, the, the attic or the garage, and, and I'll, I'll work for you for a while. And when I can come back to the table, you just let me know. And his father, of course, ran to him And as Spurgeon says about this text, he covered him with kisses. He didn't just give him a peck on the cheek. He covered him with his kisses. You are my darling child after all. For many of us, we may be a little bit more like the elder brother. Um, He's out there on the step on the porch refusing to come in. And you see his self-righteousness and our, and more importantly, our self-righteousness is so much harder to see than the flagrant sins of the younger brother. He's outside, not trying to, not trying to come back into God's presence by earning his, his, uh, his acceptance. He's saying, I've already done it. He stays outside arguing for his own righteousness. All these years I've slaved for you. Tally it up, Dad. It should be my dinner, not his. So all of you consider, um, with the Holy Spirit's help, be able to call yourself a darling child of God. Maybe those words are so foreign to you right now, you've, you've never even considered that you might need to know and to trust in Jesus in a way that you've only, you've never really considered. You know something about him, but hey, you grew up in the church, or you're from a nice family, but do you know this Jesus well enough to be able to call, know that God is calling you his darling child? So satisfy your heart, soak it up, satisfy your heart with his compassion and pardon. And secondly, then soften your heart with mercy towards others. 
sometimes resentment gets into our hearts and we someone has sinned against us and we remember it because we're dealing with that H. Sam thing too, aren't we? We're remembering what he or she did years ago. And that resentment just gets in our brains like a claw and we can't cut it loose. The words that hurt you, the rejection that you experienced. And yet it's your pride that keeps you in a place of superiority because you believe you are better than that person. So if anything, they need to come to you. Matthew Henry uh, puts it this way, we may fear God won't pardon us because we refuse to pardon those who have offended us. He gets it. He's telling us God is not like us. We forgive, hanging quotes, we forgive and often can't forget. God forgives. Here it is today, people. God forgives and can't remember. We drink this meal today to remember to forget. You hear what I'm saying? We are going to remember that we need to forget because it's been paid by the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit then empowers you to forgive others because of what he's done for you. Look with me at verse 5 in our text. This is kind of amazing too. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel. Why are they running to the Christian? For he has glorified you through the power of the gospel and the ministry of the Spirit. We have hearts that are open and gracious, and the world comes to that kind of heart. By the power of God. And get this, people. This is now moving from being satisfied uh, now to, um, and, and to sharing that with others, to spread his mercy into the world. Your neighbors, and I love what your pastor was praying today, that we're here for our neighbors. Your neighbors may not have H-Sam. They may not, but they are, and you can be certain of this, they are haunted by their memories. They have things that they, are, they feel guilty towards. Uh, they regret things that they've done. They, they know they don't measure up. And how do we know that? Because Romans chapter 1 says this, They, the unbelievers, know God's decree that all those who practice, there's a list of about 30 sins at the end of chapter 1 there. They know God's decree that those who practice these things deserve to die. Your neighbors know that. And go on to chapter 2 in, in Romans, and it says, And they spend their lives sometimes accusing themselves or feeling the weight of that sin, and at other times excusing themselves. Finding a convenient person to put the blame on a wife or a family member. They suppress this truth. One of the reasons that our neighbors spend so much money on entertainment um, is because they are trying to amuse their hearts. 
by entertainment, I just mean all the stuff that we can buy in this life to sort of distract us from what's real. And that's exactly what's going on. This word amusement, uh, in Greek they call it an alpha privative. The, the, the A at the beginning of a word negates what we're talking about. The word amuse, amuse, not to muse or not to think. The word amazement has at its root the idea of not thinking. No wonder the TikTok, just, just addicted to TikTok and YouTube and the endless reels that people just allow to suck, uh, out, uh, suck the life out of them. Seeking life, they lose it. Now, our world may seem hopeless. It may seem beyond redemption. But I love these words from Acts. God is not far from each of you. And even your neighbors could say that it, could, it is true even of your neighbors that they live and move and have their being in him for they are their offspring. And, and that he um, is, is present with them so that by chance or by, with some hope they may be able to reach out to him. And one of the questions I asked Bradney, my, my dear younger brother in Puerto Rico, I said to him, what does your church, Sola Escritura, what does your church offer its community? He chuckled a little bit. He didn't quite know. And then he said this, joy in grace. An island of legalism, a Roman Catholic emphasis in, and, uh, on that island has led people into the belief that if I do for the Lord, he'll do for me. We have and have the opportunity to spread his mercy out into the world. Look with me again at verses, and now at verses 10 and 11. The, the rain and the snow come down from heaven. They do not return there, but they water the earth, making it for, uh, bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I, pur- I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God is saying that his word always does his will. It gets the job done. Always. And there's a twofold purpose to his will. The first one is saving the lost. And if you have a sense this morning that you are lost, this word today is saving you. Come to the Lord. Turn. Seek after him. The second thing it does, though, it sanctifies the saved by the same gospel. Leaving us hearts that are full of joy. Look look with me at verse 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. There is an explosion of new covenant growth. Of new creation growth. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. There is an explosion of new creation growth coming through the power of God's word preached. 
It started in the resurrection of Jesus. And you are folded into that resurrection by faith. That power and that life is in you now. That last day exuberance has already started in you as you've, as you've seen God's otherworldly mercy. The, um, the, the writer uh, G.K. Chesterton, who, who died in 1936, just to give you a sense of when he lived, uh, was, was known for uh, as, a, as a debater, a skilled debater, and he would debate skeptic George Bernard Shaw from time to time. And, uh, and uh, Chesterton was a very jovial person that even when you disagreed with him or he with you, you he did it with a gracious smile. Uh, and uh, he truly enjoyed people. And after a debate, he would invite them to go out and have adult beverage at the nearest tavern. And um, he just enjoyed people. And this is what the skeptic and atheist um, George Bernard Shaw said. His generous heart is almost enough to make me believe the gospel. Not quite, but almost. I want to encourage you, as you go out into your community, as you go out and just mix up with your friends and your, your acquaintances there, I, I want to encourage you to take a prayer with you. To put, to, to, there are some cards I put in the back, and I've printed out a prayer that somebody gave me like 35 years ago, maybe 40. And it's, I have it in my stack of prayer cards, and I read this and pray this every day. And this is what it says. Here I am, Lord, please heal me, strengthen me, introduce me to the people you want me to love, and please give me opportunities to share with them about you. Um, uh, heal me, heal me from the fear of men. Uh, heal me so that I, I know more deeply the reality of hell. Strengthen me. It's the second thing we're asking for because we know that Jesus, the physician, comes to the weak one who asks strengthens me, strengthen me, and Jesus will make me strong. And then introduce me to the people you want me to love. The person who, well, I was going to say pumps your gas. Yeah, yeah, we're in New Jersey. We do that. I got a diesel recently, and I'm pumping my own gas. But the guy, the people that pump your gas are, are not your servants. Um, they are not part of the furniture. Um, they, they are image bearers with eternal souls. And so you, you, you pray for them and you look for opportunities to speak with them. Give me opportunities to share the good news with them. This struck me a couple of months ago. I had an amazing morning. I, I was picking up my car from the, the, the um, dealer, and I, or the um, repair, repair shop, and I'd gotten to know the owner there. And he was a, a, an, a serious Christian and a delight to talk with. And, and there was a guy working in there who I've gotten to know a little bit. Um, but for some reason, I was, I, was, I was literally partway out the door, and I turned around, and I just said to him, are you also a follower of Jesus? I don't know where that came from. But, but he, he said, mm, not sure. 
and, um, and we, we talked a little bit more about it, and, and he finally turned down my offer to come and, 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 and talk with him about, about um, the, the concerns that he did voice at me at that time. But it struck me there was, a, there was an open door. And, and then I went down to a nail salon a mile away, and I was, I was, I was getting a gift card for my wife. You know, how not a nice thing to do. Yay! And, and in the course of that, I mentioned that I, mentioned that I was, um, you know, we, I, I, she said, have I, have I seen your wife? And I said, I, th- I think you have. She was here just yesterday. I said, she is the lovely one who wears her hair in a bun, and you just can't help but enjoy her. And, and she said to me, uh, and I said, because we've been married for almost 50 years, so I know these things. And um, she said to me, um, I don't know whether she was actually looking for an answer, but she said to me, what's the secret for being able to stay married for 50 years? Well, that's a softball. <laughs> I said, first of all, this is, I said it in maybe a sense. First of all, you've got to realize that you're a sinner against God. And if your trust is in Jesus, he's forgiven you. And if, you are, if you're in that relationship with God, it is, it's, it's natural to forgive this way. Here I am, Lord. Please heal me, strengthen me, introduce me to the people you want me to love, and please give me opportunities to share with them about you. So pray, and you will find God far more active in evangelism than you imagine. The second part of this prayer is, again, I loved what your pastor said about this group meeting on Tuesday, this one on Wednesday, this one on Get other people praying for your evangelism. Pray as a group this prayer. You'll find this prayer uh, printed out on, on, the, uh, on, on, a, on a stand out in the hallway there. Pray, pray this around the table with your family, your small group. And then lastly, invite them here where God speaks life-changing the life-changing message of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, this morning we find your, your message, your gospel, more amazing than we even can imagine. And we find your word to be so pointed and personal You understand our hearts, and you have even helped us here to contrast what we're like with what you're like. And so we come to you, Lord. We call on your name. We seek you, and we say, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And we pray these things. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.